Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist and author based on the west side of Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictive compulsive behaviors. Welcome to my podcast, named after my recent book, It's Not About the Sex. Here we have honest conversations related to compulsive sexual behavior and trauma, all from a sexual health perspective. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints and practical strategies toward establishing greater intimacy and a more deeply connected life. Let's begin. Hey, Sue. Hey, Andrew. Hello. I'm good. I'm good. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's, you know a little kind of gray do you think like may gray snuck in a little early or is this just weird weird i don't know how we start with weather but it just definitely is funny like this this weather's great my dad was like riding his bike yesterday in new hampshire it was 80 degrees and we're here like frigid i know wearing sweaters and jackets and everything i I think you know that and i may have shared this before but i always knew about june gloom but after my mom moved out here, she's the one that told me about May Gray. And I thought that was really clever of her because she was a newbie to California. But yes, here we are in the middle of April and it's pretty gray out. The marine layer is, is heavy and it's supposed to get more, uh, more clear tomorrow and Saturday. So we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to discussing this topic with you today. Oh, me too. Me too. I know a little bit about it, but I'm going to definitely be asking you a lot of questions. Well, it's something that I learned about, must be more than 15 years ago at this point. I was taking the somatic experiencing training and they were telling us about this thing called the window of tolerance. And honestly, I didn't quite get why they called it the window of tolerance, although I know there's some explanations for that. So I just changed the name for me and I call it the window of resilience. So mm-hmm. that's what we're going to be talking about today, the window of resilience. Cool. I like re- I like that term resilience. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Where does this idea come from? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, the term window of tolerance was coined by Dan Siegel, Dr. Dan Siegel, in his book, The Developing Mind, back in 1999, which, by the way, was really a breakthrough book at the time. Um, and it really was something that came along that that kind of woke me up to something very different than I had ever heard about before. And he considers himself to be both a psychiatrist and an interpersonal neurobiologist, which I thought was a really cool term that I had never heard before. Yeah. So what the, the tolerance idea comes from is that he proposed that everyone has a range of emotional experience that they can effectively experience fully, process fully, and hopefully integrate fully. And, and Dr. Siegel is, is actually a professor here at UCLA. He's a professor of psychiatry, and he co-founded something you know about, which is the Mindfulness Awareness Research Center, also known, known as MARC for okay. short. Yep. And he is the author of numerous books. 
Yeah, for sure. I have one on my desk right now, actually. Which one is it? So I know our listeners can't uh, see it, but I'm holding up a book called Mindsight. It's the new science of personal transformation. But not right. So that's well. one of his more recent books, yeah. which is a great read for those who are interested. And it's an easy read, too. And it's, um, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, yeah I'm he's a good writer. Picking it back up. So... At first, you mentioned that it's called, like many people refer to it as the window of tolerance. Um, is there another person who borrowed this idea, the window of tolerance? Well, there's actually been many people who have borrowed from it and revised it in different ways. And I took another training with a woman named Elaine Miller Karras. And Elaine started the Trauma Resource Institute here in Southern California. And she talks a lot about resourcing and about helping the nervous system be more so and resourceful. And so um, actually, this idea of the window of tolerance that she brought to her trainings is something that I borrowed with her permission and used in my own book. So in other words, Dan Siegel originated the concept, and it's been borrowed over and over and over by different folks, mostly uh, folks who are studying neurobiology and somatic therapies of different kinds. Cool. So um, why do you, why'd you change the name to window of resilience instead of window of tolerance? And uh, what, what does the window part of it mean? I'm going to try and illustrate a little bit later what the window really means. But okay. first of all, we're, we're, we're talking about a, a diagram that really describes when we feel more like ourselves and when we feel less like ourselves. In other words, when we feel more regulated and we feel, when we feel dysregulated in our nervous system. So this particular diagram is a, a description of the nervous system in a very, very user-friendly way. Okay. So what exactly does that regulation and dysregulation mean? It's a great question because I think those terms are being used more and more. And I, I actually looked it up to get a concise way of describing this. And what I came up with was that a regulated nervous system means that when there's a change in our environment, for instance, a stressful situation, we can adapt to it so that we're not overwhelmed or flooded in any way. If you get caught off in LA traffic, you got to love LA traffic. Uh, <laughs> so I get caught off and hopefully I don't panic or become rageful, but I can move on with my day without feeling overwhelmed at all or dysregulated. Uh, a temporary reaction rather than something that stays with me for the rest of the day. So it's kind of like a quick pass through and then you just go on. Exactly. So that's a great way of doing describing resilience, right? So if something unexpected happens and it really startles us or, or causes some kind of strong dysregulated reaction, hopefully it's very short-lived, right? That's ideal that we have that short dysregulation and then we come back to a regulated state more efficiently. Okay. So yeah, why don't you describe a little bit more about the diagram? That's this window of resilience. Sure. And by the way, this is a diagram that impacted me so strongly when I first saw it that I, I felt like it was so easy and so descriptive of how we react to the world around us, whether it be in relationships or in sudden 
unexpected events or, or abuse or anything that, that happens to us. And so when I first saw the diagram, I said, wow, okay, so this is what happens to my nervous system over and over and over again. So it's a very human reaction that we're talking about, right? We all are regulated at times and feel more like ourselves at times. And there's, of course, times when we dysregulate. So I'm going to talk about that uh, now. So this is the idea. Um, imagine dividing a piece of paper into three horizontal blocks, one on top of the other. Mm -hmm. Okay, got that? Yeah. Okay, cool. So the middle block is what we call the window of resilience, because it's really where we feel most like ourselves, hopefully, and these are the three R's, by the way, hopefully our most resourceful, regulated, resilient self. I'll say that again. Hopefully our most resourceful, regulated, resilient self. You can even say that, that in that regulated state, it's where we experience the fullness of who we are, right? The fullness of our emotions, the fullness of who we are physically, mentally, even spiritually. So that regulated state is like the zone. Like that's where if we could live in that regulated state all the time, that would be pretty amazing, right? Uh, it sounds really great, yeah. But why yeah. can't we uh, stay there all the time? Because I want to stay there. Well, <laughs> let me just, oh my gosh, I, I do too. I mean, it, but as human beings, we just are not built that way. But some of us are more vulnerable to outside events and some, some of our are less vulnerable. So I want to just briefly talk about addictive compulsive behaviors, because if we go too far outside of our window of resilience and we become let's say panicky um, or we become really disconnected and depressed. If we have a vulnerability to addictive compulsive behaviors, those things could put us in at high risk for using some kind of substance or behavior in order to try and regulate, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's where it gets kind of complicated because actually a survival strategy may be to use a substance or behavior to try and feel more regulated. It's just a misfired attempt. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But, um, but basically, that to answer the question, as human beings, we're, we're vulnerable to our environment, right? We never know what's going to come toward us down the pike. Mm -hmm. um, relationships, uh, everyday stressful situations, et cetera. And because of past trauma, and this is really important, because of past trauma, we're, we, we're more vulnerable to these events because our nervous systems are a little more um, brittle and, and, and sometimes rigid. And remember that trauma can be defined as anything that happens that's too much to process at the time, right? I'll say that again. Trauma can be defined as anything that happens to us that's too much to process at the time. So in a nutshell, anything, anything that's too much to process at the time gets stored in what we call our subcortex. But one of our challenges in life is hopefully to release that stored energy that's in the, the subcortical part of our brain because it, it actually creates more vulnerability mm. to dysregulation. All Are you right. with me so far? So let me just, if I'm hearing you correctly, 
the past trauma leaves us more likely to become more dysregulated if the trauma still lingers in our subcortex. Right. So you got it. Down there. Okay. I feel like right. it's down in the middle of our brain, like subcortex. I'm mm -hmm. not sure where it's located, but that's where my picture is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm not an expert on brain chemistry, but when we talk about the subcortex and the neocortex, it's very simple in a sense. Mm. The neocortex is where we live most of the time, most of our days. Okay. It's our thinking brain, right. right? And it helps us survive and function. Our subcortex, you're right, is, is deeper in. And it's, it's there as a, as a holding space. Okay. You know, I sometimes talk to people about like an Amazon warehouse. And we have so many memories that sometimes they, they're released really easily. And sometimes they're just too much at the time. And those are the ones that get stored. And they sometimes create that vulnerability or also create that sense of uh, burden or heaviness or dysregulation. And these aren't things you're doing, you're mindful of necessarily. It's kind of a subconscious type thing. The way your brain functions is just doing it. Without it's just part of being human choice. and it's not conscious at all. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Now, this is why, I mean, this is really the, the commercial of our, our discussion today. That's why trauma healing is, is so essential. It, it actually makes us less likely to dysregulate as frequently and with such stubbornness, so to speak. And trauma healing helps us be more resilient, right? And we all want to spend more time in, in the resilient zone, the window of resilience. Mm -hmm. So let me back up for a second and talk more about the diagram itself. So the upper block above the window of tolerance or the window of resilience <laughs> can be thought of as what we call up regulation. And the lower block below the window of resilience can be thought of as the down regulation. Okay, that's the most simple way of thinking about it. So when we up regulate, it's almost like a car that's revving high, mm -hmm. right? The accelerator in the car is stuck on high. And this is where we will sometimes feel rage, irritability, panic, hypervigilance, or restlessness, right? That's the up regulation. The car is revving too high inside of us, so to speak. Okay, so... I have a question about that, but I'm going <laughs> to just reconfirm what I heard you say was sure. that upregulation is when our nervous system is stuck on high and resulting in things like rage, which you see like road rage, uh, panic, irritability. So those are kind of like action things, but how does that feel? Like, is it, does it, does it feel like for me, I'm thinking like adrenaline, where, like, is that what's going on? And like, are you feeling like heart palpitations? Are you feeling like stomach issues? It's a great question. It, it shows up in different people in different ways. Okay. So some people may have a, a, a heightened um, heartbeat or, or blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Some people may feel it in, in their belly. Some people may feel it behind their eyes. So it's not as if it's a one size fits all, but it's a great question because what we're asking 
our listeners to consider is somatic awareness. What's going on in your body at any given time? And, and the body is really is the indicator of what the nervous system is, is trying to tell us. So it's really a, a fantastic barometer to let us know when we're not in the resilient zone. So would you, can I just go back to that for a second? Would you think that people who say get cut off in traffic um, and then they react to it with rage, would you feel like they're dysregulated or is this a, their personality? Like, how does that? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's survival mode, right? And I, I wouldn't judge right or wrong about how how someone reacts. I, I would hope that they don't put themselves at risk or anybody else at risk. That's pretty extreme. But the idea I think that you're you're raising is that when that upregulation happens, it's actually an opportunity to find one's way back to a more regulated state. That's really what we're talking about is when we upregulate, how do we get back to that resilient state? When we downregulate, how do we get back to a more resilient state? So in terms of anger versus rage versus any kind of uh, reaction in traffic, as a great example here in LA, it's really not a one size fits all, but, but of course we, we wanna have um, kind of a harm reduction uh, model around can they learn to work with that that um, charge that happens in their body in such a way that's not going to put them at high risk or anybody else in danger either. Right. Okay. Got it. So when these things appear, panic, irritability, it's definitely an uptick. You're definitely going up out of that central center window up to yes. Yes. And awareness, like, oh, shoot, what's going on right now? My, ugh, I'm irritable, I'm whatever, and then bring yourself down. And then right. we, I'm sure it's a downregulation here. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk a little bit, and we could do a whole other episode on this, but a little bit towards the end of our, our discussion about what are some simple ways to regulate, right? It's not easy. It's, it's truly a practice. But let me talk for a moment about downregulation because downregulation feels like the brake within us is on and the nervous system is actually revving really low, almost like the car is going to conk out that mm -hmm. kind of low. So like I said before, that, that downregulation looks like things like disconnection, dissociation, numbness, exhaustion or feeling shut down or even depressed, right? So when somebody says they're feeling depressed, I always want to talk with them about what does that really mean to you? That's a very clinical term, that's a concept, but let's break it down. What, what is it that's really going on? And I had somebody in my office this morning that said, well, I just have noticed my mood for, for the last few months just down and, and, and I've been feeling muted in, in my feelings. And I, I feel separate from people I love. I just feel like I'm behind a, like, I forget if it was a screen or behind a curtain or something like that. Sure. So, so it's really the opposite. And we all, like we talked about before, we all downregulate at times, that's human. We all upregulate at times. 
But really the idea is to be able to be aware, first of all, of when you're upregulated or when you're downregulated. Okay. Awareness. I hear that a lot in our conversations. So how can we prevent the upregulating and downregulating? It's, it's an excellent question. And I, I want to say that it's not exactly about prevention. It's, it's actually more about acknowledgement and awareness and if we can, self-compassion. Mm-hmm. So, so trauma healing modalities, things like brain spotting or somatic experiencing or um, those types of somatic therapies are, are really a wonderful way to get to know the nervous system and to familiarize yourself with the body and what the body is, is telling us. So somatic awareness or what we could just call body awareness is, is so essential to begin with, right? So, so really what we're trying to do is to practice knowing when am I regulated, when am I dysregulated? It might be very subtle, but I, I woke up the other day, Sue, and I, I was just feeling a little cranky. I'm not sure why I wasn't analyzing myself, <laughs> but I felt cranky and I, I, I felt a little down regulated. Mm-hmm. And what I tried to do is just to notice it, to try and be compassionate with myself and I, I tell myself, you know, 12-step things like this too shall pass and maybe say the serenity prayer or something simple to, to know that it's, it's not going to be something that's going to, to stick with me the whole day. There was a time in my life when things like that stuck for days. But, you know, we're only human, right? We're only human. And, and as part of being human, dysregulation, there's nothing, not a right or wrong about it. There's not a uh, a guilt or shame that that goes along with it, but the challenge and the opportunity is how do we move more efficiently? How do we move more efficiently back to a regulated state or a resilient state after the dysregulation? When you're in like upregulated state, do you feel that there's there could be some stress uh, like put on your heart or do you feel like there's some physical issues that if you're if people are in this state for a long time like i know we're going to learn how to like kind of move through it and yeah like you said someone showed up and maybe for two months they were they were feeling uh, heightened or they were feeling lower um i'm just curious like if there's some health issues that can kind of go along with this as well that it's important to be aware yeah and not just pass it off as like oh i'm just in this mood but there could be some you know things that you need to take care of from a health point of view just curious if that's like long term in this state i know you're not a medical doctor but i'm just feeling like that a lot of times people live with this for for a long time without really acknowledging it and then they feel even more run down and you know it's just taken a a toll on their body so i don't know if you heard my heavy sigh but it was partially because of my own experience with this so a couple answers um if anybody is in a dysregulated dysregulated state for too long it is cumulative and it does take its toll in, in many, many ways. It can um, put somebody into a relapse mode. 
okay. or even relapse in, in whatever way that takes shape and whatever addictive um, compulsive type behaviors might go along with that. So that in itself, especially for many of our listeners, is important to understand is that we're really talking about long-term sustainable recovery. And one way of doing that is by preventing and finding ways to, to get back your resilience rather than sitting or, or white-knuckling it for too long. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest thing I want to get across. Um, and I'm so glad you asked this question. The other piece is that, yes, it, it does wear down the body. Mm-hmm. And I carried a lot of stress and a lot of perfectionism and a lot of uh, feeling of carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders for decades which for me, I, I somehow had sort of a, I want to say a lightweight dysregulation, mm-hmm. but over many, many years, for me, it caused irritable bowel syndrome. Mm. I don't even think they call it that anymore. But, but at the time we called it IBS. IBS Maybe some yeah. people still call it that, but my stomach gave out. Just couldn't, and, yeah. and I think that Partially, it was genetic because it seems like everybody in my family has has stomach issues of one sort or another. But that was just an example of how I just didn't know my body well enough. Right. It went on for so long where I just thought that's what people had to deal with. Wow. And and what I understood later on is that I had a lot of trauma in my background. I had a tremendous amount of stress in my background, and I tried to carry it all and, you know, soldier on and do the best I could. But that's an example of how sometimes um, various types of maladies and conditions, um, and it's not, I think it's still being proven in science, but I think IBS, uh, migraines, mm-hmm. uh, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, any of these systemic issues um, I think any Eastern or integrative clinician would say that it was partially around stress and trauma yeah. and, okay. and, and chronic dysregulation. Thank you. Like you said. Yeah. Oh, sure. Well, we're at the point where let's uh, hear about some ways where we can move back towards regulation. Sure. And, and these ideas are just very, very simple and, and portable ways to consider what you can do almost in the moment of a stressful, dysregulated moment, okay? So these are really meant to be very much something that, that you can do all by yourself, like in a car, let's say, after a rage moment. Okay. So the, the first thing, number one, is observe your breath, right? Just notice it. And simply by taking a few belly breaths without even having to exaggerate or, or, you know, close your eyes or anything, just observing your breath is really like revisiting your life energy, right? Because sometimes like road rage is an out of body experience for many people. So we're trying to come back into the body, right? Like that. Yeah. So that, so that's number one. Number two Grounding yourself, grounding yourself by, by noticing your body, just doing a quick 
body scan from head to toe, just noticing what's going on in your body. And again, noticing your breath, right? So grounding oftentimes is first the awareness of what's happening in the body, the awareness of what's happening in your breath. And if you're sitting down, just noticing the weight of your body in your chair, being supported by your chair, noticing your back being supported by the chair, and noticing your feet being connected to the floor beneath you, right? We've, we've actually done some of these guided imageries with, um, on, on podcasts before. Mm-hmm. And so grounding is such a simple way of, of just coming back to your body for a moment, right? So that, that's number two. Number three is reorienting because oftentimes in a dysregulation, we lose orientation. We lose our ability to really even know where we are that, that well because we're so charged up. So orienting is, is simply taking a moment to allow your eyes to move around your space safely. If you're in a car, you may want to be careful about that, but just notice what's around you. Um, and and where your eyes would like to hang out for a little bit, right? Where they would like to land, whether it's a color or a texture or uh, the light is catching the room you're in or the car you're in, um, and just orienting to where you are. That's a really, really important part of coming back into your body. And then this is probably my favorite in a way because I'm, I'm so connection-oriented, as you know, Sue, that if you can call somebody or text somebody or email somebody who you can really, really count on, somebody who's emotionally dependable in your life, like I may, I may call you from the car, let's say, and mm-hmm. hopefully you're on the other side and you can, you can actually listen to what happened and I can download what happened with you. You know, connection with, with, with people who are really there for you is soothing. Yeah. I mean, I did that last week, right? I called you. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Right. We do that with each other. And I love that about our relationship because we've known each other for so long and we have a shorthand. So it's ideal to be able to lean in the direction of somebody who really, really gets you Mm -hmm. and, and, and to know that you don't have to be alone in your dysregulation. Yeah. Right. Because as we've talked about again and again and again, um, the opposite of, of addiction isn't sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. And it's the same thing with dysregulation. Whatever you can do to, to reconnect with yourself, your body, with somebody you love and care for and loves you and cares for you, and possibly a power greater than yourself, right? Connection, connection, connection. <laughs> the new location, location, location. That's right. That's right. It sounds like regulating requires us to get back in our body. Yeah. It, I have this image as we're talking like a cartoon where somebody literally leaves their body, almost like your spirit goes away. And you're saying, come on back, come on back, come on back. Because you're right. It is getting back in our body because dysregulation takes us away, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And regulation helps us become more embodied. And that's the direction, that's the healing direction that we're considering here. So those are great 
easy ways to get back, but they do sound a little challenging to remember in the moment when you are out of body, sort of speak. Um, but I suppose it's a practice like meditation and, you know, different things like that. Mindfulness um, takes practice. It's totally a practice um, to teach our nervous system what feels better right we're not talking about perfection we're really talking about when we feel more like ourselves when we feel the fullness of what's going on internally and just to review because I, I think this might be helpful just to say out loud some of the things that we're talking about are, are really very simple and, and portable the first was about the breath the second was about the grounding the third was about the orienting, and the fourth was about connecting. And um, there has to be some kind of acronym there. I've got to figure that one oh, out. Yeah. <laughs> o G O C. Ogok. I'll, I'll work on that one. Okay. Um, but yes, the 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 practice, and and I think the self compassion piece to to all of this is that it's trial and error, and returning more efficiently to ourselves to a regulated state or a resilient state or the window of resilience as i call it it is about practice and it's about patience so so being really compassionate with yourself in this process is, is key it's not an overnight process it's a lifelong lifestyle integration but so the window of resilience to me sounds really optimistic because we have all of this inside of us Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. about tapping, taking the time to tap into it, become aware when, when we're regulated or not. Right. Yeah. And, and if we can kind of wind down today's episode by saying that if there's one takeaway from this discussion, it's that this is about knowing when you're feeling more regulated and when you're feeling less regulated. If you can do that, you're, you're on your way to a larger awareness and i believe to a more sustainable recovery right so you know I, I i so appreciate you sue discussing this particular topic with me because it it's so valuable and i hope everybody can get the visual of the upper block being the up regulation the lower block being the down regulation and the middle block of resilience because mm -hmm. I show it to almost every client that, that I have. I, I just think it's so illuminating yeah. for, for people to see. Yeah. It's so important to savor when we're in a regulated state, right? We're as human beings, unfortunately, we lean in the direction of what's wrong. Mm -hmm. We lean in the direction of, of, of actually um, searching for something negative. And so when we're feeling a more positive charge, when we're feeling that regulated, resourceful, resilient state, if we can experience that and, and kind of grab that, I, I think of like a, um, a butterfly mm -hmm. and, and taking the net and saying, come over here, butterfly, let's, let's hang out a little while right. and see what it's truly like. To, to have that time together. It's, it's kind of like when we went bowling not too long ago. <laughs> I mean, it's such a, a, for me, it's such a kid thing to do, right? Because I bowled as a kid. 
and to do it with an old friend and and to hang out together and and have that time i I just wanted to savor it and and even as i talk about it i feel a little more buoyant and i want to thank you for that that was fun i can't wait to go again We're gonna do it soon. Yeah, we okay. need to. We need to beat your son. So that's, that's, sure. yes. that's part of the deal. <laughs> so thank you so much for once again um, talking this through with me, and I, I will look forward to talking with you soon. Take care, Andrew. You too. Thanks for listening today. It was so great sharing the time with my colleague and friend Sue Merlino and discussing this really meaningful topic. If you're so inclined, please give us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe and share my podcast with those who may benefit. I look forward to you joining us the next time and don't forget to stay connected.